Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. But yeah, my name is is Don Allison, and I'm uh, was a longtime journalist, uh, daily newspaper editor. And I left that career, retired early, to focus on book publishing. I do history as well as the paranormal. The paranormal came to me rather late in life. I had no interest in it. I was very skeptical. But uh, the house my wife and I reside in that we're currently living in is quite active. And I... First thought I was losing my mind. Uh, some of the things going on, footsteps when no one was there, odd electrical things, uh, disembodied voices. But uh, I went from questioning my sanity to realizing there's a lot more to this world than what we um, normally see. And I have focused a lot of my writing in the paranormal field. Gettysburg is a natural interest because the Civil War is my area of specialty in history, and my interest there went from strictly history to to the paranormal. It is an extremely interesting place, a very active place in terms of paranormal activity. And and Don, I want to know: Has your wife experienced anything before living in the house? I mean, do you know if she shared anything like that with you? No. She was much like me. We just looked at each other when things would happen here. And the first few things, I often worked here alone. The first few things that happened to me, I almost hesitated to tell her because I was afraid she'd think I was off my rocker. But she experienced them also. And no, she, as far as I know, had not had any experience prior to, to our getting the house here. Okay, and you guys still live in the hu- in the house right now, right? Yep, I'm, I'm sitting in my home office right now, which was uh, originally a bedroom. It's an 1835 house. Do you still have paranormal activity there, Don, or has it kind of died yep. down a little bit? We do. It, it comes and goes. We find it's most active when we are doing our renovation work. Right now, we don't have anything going, so it tends to be 
rather low, but, but yeah, especially when we're working, things really ramp up. People who do work here have experiences. It's, yeah, it, you just never know. Just when you think you're, you're used to nothing happening for a month or two, something comes out of the blue. Well, at least it's not so much where you guys want to move out. You know, sometimes that happens. People just yeah. leave the space or maybe they're trapped there and they can't leave because, you know, it's not financially feasible for them to leave. But at least you're there and you're dealing with it and it's not scaring you to death. Yeah, I think the two things come into play there. One, sometimes things can be um, a bit, um, I don't know if evil is really the right word, but sometimes the spirits can be a bit nasty. We're fortunate that ours are, for the most part, pretty agreeable. And instead of being frightened of it, we are really just fascinated. Let me let me ask you something. Okay, so that, that um, brings something else to mind because you mentioned the renovation. So do you think it was... I'm just wondering, you know, have you, you dug into the past of the house to see if maybe the previous uh, people that lived there, if they experienced any paranormal activity, or was it because, you know, maybe whoever lived there lived there a very long time, and then you and your wife are going in there and you're making changes. So if their spirits were there, that they may not like it so much, you know, that you're doing that. I think there's a history of activity here. I know the there was a gentleman who rented the house for nearly 25 years. And when we first met him, he saw us outside when we first purchased the property. And he pulled into the driveway, came running up to us saying, you know, this house is haunted. And we were pretty leery. We really hadn't experienced things yet. but. Um, if you go back to the owners, um, the uh, brothers we purchased it from grew up here. They said they had no activity here, but yet we believe that their ancestors that had been in their family since um, 1869, um, we believe that their ancestors did have problems with spiritual activity. But the house is beautiful. Uh, so the pictures that you you sent me were amazing. Really, really pretty house. Um, all right, I want to talk about your book here. So this is like the second book. We did the first book about Gettysburg, and then this one is called uh, Met More Ghosts at Gettysburg. And I'm curious about the cover here. You have, it says, Alabamians on the front. So can you tell us, like, how that connects to Gettysburg, if you don't mind? Um, yeah, it does. The In a number of ways. For one, I had a number of ancestors who fought at Gettysburg, and I did not know that for the longest time. I knew that I had family from Alabama who fought in the Civil War, but the ones I had researched had fought further west. They weren't in the battles in the east, but... Um, really because of some things that I had happened at Gettysburg, I dug into it and found out I had several ancestors who fought there. Um, the Alabama Monument is actually where I had my first um, paranormal experience on the battlefield at Gettysburg. My wife and I um, were driving uh, into the park 
and it had been raining, so we had done some things outside of the area, and we were just coming into the park, the rain quit, so I decided to turn um, and check out Little Round Top, a place that um, I've always been strangely drawn to. Well, the Alabama Monument was... Uh, just a little bit after we turned. Ironically, as soon as I turned my turn signal on to turn into Confederate Avenue, the song Sweet Home Alabama came on the radio. And that seemed neither here nor there at the time, but I had forgotten the Alabama monument was just ahead to the right. So I stopped the van and I get out and it was a beautiful fall day and because of the wet foliage, it made a beautiful backdrop. So I went to take a picture of the monument. The song, Sweet Home Alabama, is on the radio of my van. My camera would not take a picture of the monument. Every time I pressed the shutter, the camera turned off. I thought, this is really odd. And I kept pressing it. I eventually got two photos. But it's really odd. We drove away. The camera worked fine. We drove the short distance to the round top, which the Alabamians attacked. And I crawled you know, up to uh, a monument to the 20th Maine Regiment. Um, again, with the wet foliage, it was a beautiful picture. My camera would not take a photo. It would shut off when I pressed the shutter, but only when I focused on the monument. If I turned away from the monument, I could take any picture that I wanted. It was very, very strange, and as long as we were on Little Round Top, I could not take a photo of any Union monument there without the camera taking, turning off, but I could take any other photo I wanted. After we got off Little Round Top, the camera was fine, and that camera never did that again. Yeah, I was just shaking my head as my wife was. She was with me, and she's like, wow, this is nuts. That is nuts. Um... Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, like they mess with cameras and things that require batteries and electricity and things like that. You know, let me just ask you this real quick. Have you had like electrical interferences in your house? Just things you can't explain. I'm just wondering that before we go any further. Yes. Um, when we, I first started doing work here, um, I had purchased a radio and a CD player, radio CD player at a garage sale, figuring uh, I won't ruin a new one because I'll have sawdust and stuff. Well, this one kept turning off and on by itself and changing radio stations. And I thought it was defective. I threw it away and bought a brand new one. And the new one started turning off and on by itself and changing radio stations. Um, and we still have that happen. Um, there would be things like I would come out to the house um, to work, and the radio that I know I'd turned off when I left would be on, turned up loud, and it would be on a Cleveland Indians baseball game. I'm a Tiger fan, and I did not have the radio on that station when I'd been listening to it you know, when I left. Just things like that. Just you, you, know, you had so, it off, and then when you came back, it was on, and on a different and station. That, and that happened, uh, the gentleman, actually, he's our neighbor. He did our new furnace and so forth, and he had that. He came out, you know, he had a key to get into work, and the radio would be on. He said, that's odd. Don never leaves the radio on. Wow. Um, 
All right. I want to talk about your, okay. So I don't know if we got to this. I don't think we did. Um, in your book here in chapter eight, you talk about, um, Fairfield Inn, and that was a scene of like some gruesome stuff happening. Uh, wounded soldiers going in and out that place. Can you like, where is that? Um, where is that, um, on the, on the, uh, premises there? I mean, is it next to the park? Is that just in the city? Where is Fairfield? It's a a small town. It's probably about five or six miles from Gettysburg proper. And it is right on the main Confederate uh, retreat route. And there was some, some like rear action fighting there after the battle was over. And it was a Confederate field hospital. Now, is that specific? It has to be uh, some activity on that location there. Oh, it's it's quite active. That was my very first paranormal investigation. Um, I was invited uh, to accompany a group after my first book came out. And, yeah, the, there was a, a gentleman there who apparently had been the caretaker well before the Civil War. Um, there were spirits there that purported to be Confederate soldiers. Um, I personally um, had a medium talking to um, a soldier from Tennessee, and that was the first night. We stayed there overnight and, and investigated the next day. The next night, I was down there without that medium. And I used dousing rods, and I was asking questions kind of related to what the medium had said, but I would ask incorrect things, then ask correct things, and the dousing rods would cross when the answer is yes, and I got the exact same answers using the dousing rods to match up what the medium had said. A second medium came in and was getting a lot of the same things as the first one, and they would not have known what each other was saying. Tell us what, for those that don't know, what dousing rods are. Tell us what they are and then uh, what they do, actually. Or, or how you get an answer from them, or how can you tell what it's telling you? They have a long history. Some people are rather skeptical that they work. Um, of all things, Albert Einstein um, was convinced that they work, but they've been used for centuries to find water. Basically, you can use um, wooden I prefer to use rods that have uh, beads on them. They're like an L-shaped, excuse me, a wire rod. And because of the beads, that keeps you from being able to manipulate it. You realize that the movements you're getting are real when you use them that way. And you just, when you start, you know, you make it clear that yes answer is when they cross. That sound, almost sounds like a pendulum, how a pendulum would work. You know what I'm saying? You would kind of throw it out into the ethers of the planet or whatever, the atmosphere, and say, okay, this means yes, and, you know, this direction means no. Is that kind of what you're doing? Like you're- it, it's, it's really the same thing. I have used pendulums, and I found that they work, but I personally get better results with the dowsing rods. But it is the same concept. And the the theory is that your body is really the electrical field or the electrical receptor for the electrical field, the electromagnetic fields that are at work. 
Okay, th- those are interesting there. Can you use them to detect paranormal activity? Like if you wanted to know if there was an entity in a in a place? I know you said they were used for uh, water, but you were using them at that time. I want to understand here. Were you using them to find out if paranormal activity was in the area? Is that why you used them with the psychic medium? Correct. Okay. And I find they're really kind of an old school um, device or, you know, method of paranormal investigation, but I find they work very well for me. They don't work for everybody. Just like finding water. For instance, I use dowsing rods to find the septic tank and drainage line from our house when we bought it. And I, I located it perfectly, and when the people came to do work, it was right where I found it. My son was skeptical. He couldn't get it to work, but my grandson could get them to work. I didn't tell them where it was, and my grandson found it. Uh, in your book here also, you talk about uh, quantum physics maybe holding the key to some of these mysteries and things uh, concerning even paranormal activity. What what is what is your tr- thoughts on that? I mean, and and who did you look at as far as that research is concerned? Oh, I I have um, have talked to folks. Um, the name escapes me, but a gentleman that I met actually at a paranormal convention um, had written a book on the subject: how quantum physics ties into the paranormal. He was quite interesting. And that really got me onto that research, but I've done quite a bit of research on my own, reading, you know, looking at the scientific journals. And boy, there's so much. Um, this this gentleman that you you mentioned that you met at a conference, I guess, did he write a book about it, or was he did he just do a research paper on it? No, he had actually written a book. He was a paranormal investigator and. Um, and uh, his background is in science, so he just really combined those two fields. It was a very, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's escaping me, but me too. Uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> I'm going to try and find it. Maybe I can find it on Amazon. Um, I would love to read it myself. Um, and let me ask you something about hoaxes. That's got to get under, under your skin. I mean, for someone like you that really is searching for truth and trying to find out, you know, if, if especially the area around Gettysburg, um, people love to visit that area. And a lot of the draw to that place is because it is so haunted and people do experience activity there. But what do you think about people, you know, just making hoaxes and things like that? I mean, what are your general thoughts on it? And have they tried to do that to any any of the things that you've presented in the past from your research? Um, yeah, there are unfortunately a lot of mediums um, they have uncovered as hoaxes. I mean, they, they use a lot of uh, the techniques that mentalists use. And they can be kind of be convincing. Um, I used to think all mediums were that way, but... I have found there are some very good mediums. Um, a lot of the hoaxes aren't even purposeful. Some are, but a lot of people just take something that happens, like maybe an odd reflection or like orbs. Some people will claim that orbs are paranormal when in cases where they aren't. I believe sometimes they are but often they are simply dust or pollen in the air. But when you get them behaving very strangely or happening in conjunction with other 
paranormal events, so I think they are. But then there are people, um, especially with EVPs, you know, where you get the um, answers to questions, like say on a digital recorder where you can't hear it with your with your ear, it only is on the recorder. People do fake those, unfortunately. And that leads people to think all EVPs are fake. And that's a shame because there's some great evidence that is done scientifically, but people won't believe it because there are fakes out there. I'm wondering, um, do you know of any instances where people have heard maybe um, someone, a tour guide, for instance, he's on the field and he's he's telling a story or something and and they audibly hear something, you know, a response or maybe a cannon fire or something strange like that. Um, yes, I personally have heard the phantom cannon fire and musketry fire. Uh, and it's it's a very common phenomenon around Gettysburg and it sounds real as can be. But, yeah, I have heard um, spirits speak out loud um, during investigations. It is not that common. EVPs or, you know, conversations with the ghost box are much more common. But sometimes they are audible. I've heard my name called here in the house. Really? By a female voice or male Uh voice? By a female voice fairly recently. I heard my name when I was upstairs in the bedroom. The first time it ever happened, we were still getting the house ready to move in, and my wife and I had been working, and she had left her purse inside the main front door on the stairs. I said, well, I'll run in and get it for you. So I came in, unlocked the door, so I'm picking up the purse right um, right against my right ear, a female voice whispered, be sure the door's locked. And I just, like, jumped out of my skin, like, wow. (laughs) That's wild. It was outside yourself. I mean, it wasn't in your head or anything. It was outside of you. No, it was clearly an audible, you know, feminine whisper. Wow. That's pretty creepy. And it was the perfect time because I had just unlocked the door to get in, and oddly, about a week or so before, Somebody had tried to break in the house, but because it's an, an old-fashioned door lock that you need a key to unlock it, they'd actually knocked out. We had a plexiglass window. They'd knocked the window out, reached around, but they couldn't unlock the door, but they, they didn't get in. And this was right after that had happened to boot, so it was very timely, very appropriate. Yeah, I would have lo- I would have locked the door, but it had been on my way out, out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> On my way out. Um, Don, what what is this picture on uh, page 18? You got the B-17 Mason Dixon in May 1944. I'm trying to figure out what that is. It's the crew of the B-17 Mason oh, Dixon? Yes, that, Tell us about uh, that. is quite uh, an interesting experience. I had a very dear friend. He's in that photo. Um, he had died about... Oh, gee, less than a year before I did the book. And it's really odd. Just before I went to Gettysburg for the Fairfield Inn investigation we talked about earlier, 
I'd had a dream. My buddy had uh, macular degeneration. He had not been able to drive for the last few years of his life. So he and I would take road trips and I would drive. And I had this very realistic dream that, that Jack, Jack Price is his name, and I had just taken a road trip. And then went out to eat afterward, just like we always did. And I woke up from that dream, and it was like, wow. You know, I got to spend uh, spend some time with my buddy again. And I felt really good about it. Well, this is just before I left for the Gettysburg trip. And part of the, uh, the group is during the day, we had a guide take us around Gettysburg. Now, I was pretty familiar with it, but we were in an area that I didn't know. Talking to the guide and this young lady who was part of the group, I had, I didn't even remember her name. I'd been introduced to her the night before, but I didn't investigate with her. Turns out she's a medium. She's walking, watching me talk. When I'm done, she says, "Excuse me, can I can I tell you something?" And I just rather surprised. So, well, yeah, sure. What is it? She said, "You have someone with you." That I, I thought he was a dead tourist, but then he said, no, no, and started laughing and said, no, I'm with him. And then he was, she said, he told her useless information, useless information. And she described the gentleman. And at first, I'm just kind of taken back by the whole thing. But then I got to thinking, wait a minute. What she was describing sounded exactly like my friend Jack. And what was weird was the uh, our guide had on a Detroit Tiger hat. Well, Jack and I are both diehard Detroit Tiger fans. We're always talking Detroit Tigers. And I could just see my friend coming up thinking, oh, we're talking Tigers and we're talking Civil War. He had no interest in the Civil War. So he would he would be making fun of me, which is what he was doing to the medium. You know, useless information. It occurred to me, she's talking about Jack. That, well, why here? And then it also dawned on me that Mason Dixon, there were four crew members with Jack on that airplane in World War II who were from Gettysburg including his best friend, who died about the time Jack did. So there was a Gettysburg connection, and that floored me at the time, just this medium telling me this out of the blue. I didn't even know who she was. Do you know who she is now? Yes, I've gotten to know her quite well, and she is very excellent. So your friend was there with you? Yeah, and I, and I have no doubt now at the time I was like, you got to be kidding me when she's telling me this, and, and it took a bit to sink in, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized, yeah, there's just no way she could not have known. There's no possible way for her to have known the things she was telling me. Wow. Um, let me see what else I was wanting to ask you about. Um, what about, are there any are there any areas of the park in Gettysburg that are shut off to the public, or is it all open? It is pretty well open, but um, in something that I found odd, the National Park Service does not like paranormal investigators, and they will go out of their way to make it difficult to do so. They will not give um, permits for, like, filming for paranormal events. If you are caught with an EMF meter, 
to detect electromagnetic fields. They will confiscate it and find you. And they maintain that that can be used to find metal objects, like a metal detector, which is totally false. That is their position. I had one person tell me that when they were talking with the park officials, wondering why they could not investigate there, the park service said, well, the spirits are protected. <laughs> they maintain, on the one hand, that there is no such thing as the spirits, and then they tell people they're protected if they give them a yeah. hard time about not being allowed to investigate. It's very strange. That is very strange. Um, I want to know, like, um, I'm I'm thinking, I'm just guessing here. I don't know. Maybe erosion occurs, you know, after so long. Maybe some of their scarves or boots or something like that come up to the top. I mean, do they scour the, the park before they let people in? I mean, do they look at the grounds and make sure? I mean, if you're, if you're out there, you could see something, you know, that's eroded and came up to the surface. What if you take it or whatever? I'm sure you yeah, get in a lot of trouble, but yes, exactly right. Anything that is found on the park, uh, bullets still get found. Um, yeah, pieces of leather gear and so forth. Yes, still get found, and you can be prosecuted if you remove it from the park. You are to turn it in to the rangers. Have they? Do they have a place up there, Don, where you can see stuff that they've found over the years? Uh, uh yes. The visitor center is full of artifacts from the battlefield, and as I understand, in their back rooms, they have, like, boxes of items that people have found and turned in. Really? Wow. Wouldn't you just love to see that stuff? I would. Um, is this the only um, battlefield that you've ever visited? I mean, have you come further south? Like, I'm in Tennessee. Have you been down here to mm-hmm. visit our battlefields or anything? Uh, uh, yes. I have uh, been through the uh, Franklin, Tennessee battlefield is uh, is one of my favorites to visit. But I've visited um, Chickamauga, Chattanooga, been to Shiloh, a lot of the Atlanta campaign battlefields, Jonesboro, and so forth. I've visited too. Yeah, I know Mark's been down here to Chattanooga for sure. He's been. Some, doing some paranormal investigations with Catherine. Oh, I forgot her last name. She's also a forensics person. Um, anyway, I had him on the show. They were investigating. They were doing a book called Haunted Crime Scenes. And, oh, that uh, would be interesting. Yeah, real interesting. Yeah, and um, I know that Mark's been to Chattanooga. And so do you, do you do investigations with Mark? I know you mentioned him in your book and stuff like that, but... Do you guys do things together up there? I have never actually investigated with him. He's actually a friend of mine. Uh, When I'm in Gettysburg, I usually do book signings um, at his tour headquarters. When they have the weekend tours, he he will sign his books on Saturday nights, and I often will sign with him if I'm in town. But, But oddly, no, I've never investigated with him. We've talked a lot about investigations. Of course, we both own old houses, and we have that in common. What about photos? I mean, have you ever seen anything that shows like a clear outline or something of a soldier you know, in the park there? Have you ever seen it that's that you believe is, is truly genuine? 
Yes. Um, I was part of an investigation. Um, we have good friends. My wife and I have good friends are from the Detroit area. They purchased the Sanders farm outside of Gettysburg. It was a field hospital. And um, twice on their property, once I was present, we were investigating in the woods at their property. And uh, my friend had to go back to the house. As he's walking away, we had a ghost box going. And uh, somebody hollered at my friend, halt. And, of course, he stops. One of the people in the group had a camera. He saw something move. He turned and took three photos very quickly. In the, excuse me, in the middle photo is a semi-transparent soldier with a musket bending around a tree looking at us. He wasn't there in the photo before and after, you know, taken in succession. Just amazing. Yeah, that is interesting. Do they have cameras on the park? I mean, do they monitor the park after hours? They, they patrol it. You... Um, you are only allowed on the park up until 7 p.m. Um, during the winter, and uh, I believe starting April 1st, it's open till 10 p.m. So you can go there after dark, but they will cite you if you're caught there after hours. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I'd be wondering, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious if anyone's caught any type of phenomena after dark. I mean, I know you can't be on the property after dark, but for those that are able to, I mean, have you ever known a team to actually get out there and try to film some stuff or take some, some night photos? There, there? there are some very interesting. I saw one on television that you can actually see a semi-transparent line of Confederate troops. Um, a tourist was filming from Devil's Den. And you can see this column behind the trees, you know, like you can see like the tops of like a flag, maybe a guy on a horse, maybe heads of soldiers. And people could see this because you could hear them talking. Um, and the person filming it is just, you know, acting like, oh, my God. And that, that's a pretty amazing piece of uh, film that I have personally seen. Um, the ghosts of soldiers on Little Round Top. You have? Which is oh, wow. pretty amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not really investigating. I was there with a friend who is a medium, and I just wanted her impressions. And uh, unfortunately, well, we were at the Alabama Monument, and we are talking, and I saw four semi-transparent figures start walking up toward us. And I am, I'd never seen anything like that. And I was about floored. My friend just wheels around and says, stop, don't sneak up on me like that. And they stopped and backed up several feet. And then she kind of looked at me and said, oh, you can see them too. And I must have had quite a look on my face, but they were like semi-transparent. You could make out like the cut of their uniforms. So these um, soldiers had guns. You could see their hats. You couldn't make out facial features. Just the shape of the head and like their, their arms you could see. You couldn't make out individual fingers, but still the detail was pretty amazing. Um, we 
left there, she said they wanted us to leave. And I said, are they threatening us? And she said, no, they're concerned for our safety. I thought that was weird. So then we drove around a little round top and got out. And there ended up being about two dozen of these figures. Those did not have guns with one exception. I think one was a Union soldier. He had a gun. It was like a guard or sentry. The others gathered around us without guns, but they, I believe, were all Confederates. I did not have a camera. Um, it was mind-blowing. It was just after dark. It was prior to 10 p.m., but uh, my friend ended up getting rather uncomfortable. And she said, we wanted to leave. I didn't want to leave. I was just amazed. But uh, it got very cold. It was a warm evening. But um, she said, I was actually shivering. And I felt quite cold. But that is a common kind of thing to happen, too, when entities are involved. It has to be just very, very, very haunted. And I wanted to ask you about um, maybe even maybe side trails or campsites? I mean, you know, I haven't been there, so I'm kind of guessing what's around the area, but has any of that paranormal activity been thrown off into maybe, um, uh, you mentioned the Fairfield Inn, but what about restaurants and bars and things like that, that around, yeah. around the area? And actually, the entire town of Gettysburg and around the area, even for miles away, was all battlefield. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it. Yeah, a lot of the buildings of the town are are very active. Um, um, A lot of people investigate the buildings there. I've talked to folks who have really experienced quite a few interesting things. A lot of the buildings were there at the time of the battle. They've made a great effort to preserve them. God. Okay. So see, that's where I didn't know. All right. So I thought just the park was just the battle field area or where they clashed or came together or something. But you saying the whole town, really, the whole town is was the battlefield, essentially. And even the fields around it. And the nice part is the places around outside of the National Battlefield Park, you can investigate all night as long as you have permission to be on the property. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. So, uh, this has been great. I want you to tell my listeners, Don, what, what else they're going to learn by getting your book and what other projects that you may be working on or how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. You can easily reach me, um, Don at fadedbanner.com. My website is, uh, I have two websites actually. One is I met a ghost.com. That's for my paranormal work. And then FadedBanner.com, like an old flag, is for all the the publishing endeavors. But yeah, I'm working uh, currently. I am doing a revised edition of a non-paranormal book called Hell on Belle Isle, Diary of a Civil War POW. I learned a lot more about the soldier that the book is based on. So that is going to print uh, this week, actually. So in another couple weeks or so, I'll have that revised edition available. I'm also doing a book really on the best available evidence for the continuation of our consciousness after death or life after death. I was invited to take part in an essay contest 
Um, I was not a winner, but I was a finalist, which made me feel pretty good. And so that my essay for that, I'm being expanding, you know, into a book. And when do you th- when do you think you'll have that out? Um, that one should be out this summer. Keep me in the loop on that, okay? I'll, I'll be happy to. Absolutely. All right, Don. I've enjoyed it. The book is called I Met More Ghosts at Gettysburg, and that is available on Amazon as well as Don's websites, and I will have them linked up for you in the show notes. Don, many blessings to you, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.